Hey, good morning. Good morning, Rez. Good to be here. I have to tell you, though, right up front, I had some fun there talking about the cruise, but let me tell you that the topic today is very serious. Um, I want you to know that this will be a hard message for some of you to go through. As you can see, there's a little couch set up on stage. That's because I'm going to be sharing the stage with someone in just a bit. But before I do that, I want you to know that I believe the topic I'm talking about today is one we tend to shy away from, but we need to face it. Uh, The topic of sadness, uh, dealing with loss, dealing with depression, dealing with hurt. And when you hear that, you go, oh man, it's going to be a long mess. It's going to be sad. No, no. Our goal is during this message to help you see that Jesus came, as he says in his word, to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to set the captive free. Everything that we've been singing this morning has been very intentional. He breaks every chain. And I don't know what your chain looks like. I don't know what it feels like, but Christ can break it. And you've come to a place of hope today. And as we go through this message, as I share this message with you, I'm praying that It will connect with you where you have been, where you are, and where you may be in the future. As I said, in the book of Psalms, the Lord's word said Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And we don't think about this very often or talk about it very often, but Jesus is referred to in Scripture as the man of sorrows. We like to think more of the Savior, the risen King, etc., but Christ's life on earth was filled with sorrows, just like some of yours are. And so today my goal is to encourage you and to help you look at new ways to maybe deal with those things you go through that are very difficult. And I want to give you three steps. Here's what's going to happen. I want to show you three things that I believe will help you as you're dealing with sorrow. And then I'm going to bring someone up on stage and we're going to actually walk through those three steps together. Because so often us pastors, when we speak, we think, man, I hope the people can take it out of here and apply it to their life. And so today... I'm going to actually walk with someone through these steps so that you might be able to connect with it a little bit. Because I want you to know there's three things I believe you can do when you're going through sorrows and going through trials and going through loss that are very helpful for you. And the first of this, I want you to understand how important this is to, number one, cry, cry. We don't talk a lot about tears. In fact, uh, I want to say to some young men sitting in here today, I'm doing this very intentionally. If you're a teenager and you're a young man, you can be a lady too, but so often we say to young men and young boys, don't cry, be tough, be strong. There are times, you teenagers, young men, you need to know it's really good to cry. Um, there was a time in my life I could not cry. And I remember I went into ministry and I was like, Lord, I I couldn't cry because I'd suppressed it. I'd stuffed it. I'd pushed it aside because of the pain of my childhood and different stuff I was going through. And I shoved it down and I prayed. I said, Lord, will you give me my tears back? And now I I cry. It's it's crazy how much I cry. I cry all the time. I can cry riding down the road, just see a flower blowing in the wind, start crying. I cry at nothing. And I love it. I love it because tears are huge. And I want you to understand the Bible is full of tears. When Lazarus died, Jesus cried. He didn't hide it. He was hurting. Now, you need to know this. The properties, scientists tell us this. You're not going to, I didn't know this until I did this research. Scientists tell us that the properties that make up tears of sorrow, a loss, something you're going through, pain. When you cry those tears, those tears have different properties than when you cry for joy or cry because you're peeling an onion. They're different tears. And those tears from crying and pain and loss release out of your body stress. To me, that's amazing how God made us. 
that even our tears can help us get pain out. Some of you this week have cried tears of pain. God gave you that. He allowed you to do that to get that out of your body because you got stress in there. Anybody knows what happens when stress builds up? So when you cry, that's a good thing. Secondly, when you're going through a painful time in your life, you need to know you have to, number two, number one, cry. Number two, you have to make a choice. How am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? I'm going to read to you in just a moment from one of our heroes, King David, what he did. And I want you to know when you're going through a tough time, some of you even today, you have to make a choice how I'm going to handle this. We usually do it one of three ways. Number one, we go into depression. You know, it's kind of funny when he was singing the song, he actually said, some of you are going to be broken free and you're going to get rid of, you're going to kill today, depression. Some of you are here today and you're depressed. Some of you are watching online and you didn't make it here today because you're too depressed. You couldn't get out of bed. Those of you who have never dealt with depression, um, you sometimes see people who have it and you go, what's wrong with them? Just get over it, man. And I want to tell you, you guys know what I was like three years ago when I came here to preach, going through tough stuff with my daughter. I would tell you, I felt a lot of depression. It would have been easy for me to give up. And depression is some of the choice, one of the choices that we can make when we're going through loss, when we're going through pain. Another one is aggression, depression or aggression. In other words, we start taking that out on other people. Some of you know that's exactly what you've done in your life. You've experienced something, you went through some situation, and you've taken it out on others. In fact, those others would right now want to raise their hand and go, uh-huh, because you have. You've become aggressive, and it's because you don't know what to do with this stuff you're dealing with inside. Thirdly, we can either do depression or we can turn to aggression or we can do what I call confession. We can say, Jesus, I can't do this anymore and I got to have your help. I have tried everything I know and I'm done. I'm hoping today this is the choice many of you make with a situation you're facing that you don't know how to handle anymore, that you just say, Lord, I confess it to you. I can't do it without you. You've tried, but I want you to know you can't. Jesus came for the brokenhearted. He came to bind up our wounds. That's what Scripture says. Jesus came for you today. If you're here and you're hurting and you're even saying inside, God, you're not even here. He's got you. You, you can say God's not there, but it doesn't mean he's not there. He understands. And he wants you to confess that he is Lord even of your situation. I want to tell you something today to encourage you. Your circumstances don't have to determine your joy. That was Jesus' life. He didn't allow circumstances to determine his joy. Your joy is determined from your relationship with Christ on the inside, no matter what you're going through in life. Cry, make a choice, and then come to this realization, God is good, period. Period. No matter what you're facing today, you say, Dan, you don't know what I went through this week. I know this. No matter what you've gone through this week, God is good, period. You're not, you're not going to change it. 
as a kid. <laughs> Psalm chapter 13, David. See if you can relate to his thoughts. How long, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long, Lord, are you going to hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have this sorrow in my heart? David saying this. How long will my enemies continue to triumph over me? Give light to my eyes, Lord, or I will sleep in death. I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me, period. And I want you to know today, God is good, period. Now, I'm going to show you what I mean by that. You're going to walk through a story. I'm just telling you right up front. If you're here and you've been through pain, you've lost someone in your family, this story isn't going to be easy to hear. I'm just up front telling you. Some of you are going to cry a lot. I'm just telling you. I'm trying to set you up so you know and go, Dan took advantage of us. I'm not trying to. You're going to hear a painful story. But you're going to see hope at the end. So I'm going to invite on stage with me Jamie Tidd. Jamie, will you come up? Jamie is a lady who lives in the Highland area, Hamilton area. I've known her for a few years. Her husband, Dave, walking her up here. Give them a hand, if you don't mind, for just being a part of this. What you said over there, Jamie. I'll sit over here. Uh, I've known Jamie for a few years. Sorry about the fall there. I've known Jamie for a few years. Her and her husband, Dave, play a little ball with her husband. He's mean on the basketball court, but she's really nice. And um, we hang out and talk every now and then. And when I was working on this message... Jamie just said, Dan, I would love to share a little bit of my story and talk about it. So to jump right into the middle of it, to save some time, I'm going to kind of set it up. So Jamie had four children, um, had gone through a divorce, was married now to Dave, and her former husband was bringing the children to her one early winter morning uh, to get them ready for school. And so early in the morning, he's driving to her house, himself and four children in the car, and they're coming again to just pass the kids off so Jamie could get them ready for school. And I'm going to let Jamie take the story from there, and she's home alone, and I want you just to start talking about home alone, waiting for the kids. Talk me through that morning. Um, so that morning, Kurt usually arrived at a certain time. Um, that morning, it was probably about 10 minutes had gone past the time that he usually arrived, called his cell phone, did not get an answer, went to voicemail, um, didn't really think much at that point, um, waited a few more minutes, called again, didn't get an answer. At that point, I had a sinking feeling, don't know why, um, something was wrong. Hmm. So my first reaction was I called my husband to tell him, hey, I, I don't know what's going on. The kids aren't here. And he said to me, well, on my way into Holland today um, for work, M40 was shut down. Um, there had been an accident. Just so you'll get that from Hamilton to Holland, there's a road called M40. So that's the road Dave was on, and he's calling to tell her that road's closed. Right, yeah. So he told me the road was closed, and he was probably deterred, you know, detour or whatever. So didn't think much about it. 
and to kind of pass my time, I just was calling people, asking for prayers. Um, how long is this? How, how much time is passing? Well, it felt like hours, but yeah. just probably minutes, okay. you know, 15, mm-hmm. 20 minutes at this point. I called the school and just made different phone calls. I, uh, then my phone rang, and it was the Holland Police Department. And uh, just asked my name and asked me, um, told me that my family had been in an accident. I didn't know what to expect at that point. I said, okay, so what's happened? And he said, I'm sorry, Mrs. Tid, are you alone? And I said, yes, I am alone. And he said, uh, we'll be sending a police cruiser to your home. We need to get you to Holland Hospital. And I said, can you give me some information? Please tell me something. And he said, no, I'm sorry. We'll send a police cruiser there. Wow. So he couldn't give you any information on the phone? Nope. Wouldn't tell me anything. It's your anxiety level just going through the roof. Right. Right. So got off the phone, called Dave again. He said, all right, I'll meet you at Holland Hospital. Um, he was already on the north side of Holland. So... I uh, made another couple phone calls just kind of telling people I have no idea what's going on. Um, so I decided to call my former mother-in-law, Sharon, at that point. And as she picked up the phone, I could hear she was crying. And uh, I said, Sharon, there's been an accident. And she said, oh, I know, Jamie. And I said, do you know anything of what's happened? And there was silence. And she said, Jamie, I don't want to be the one to tell you this. And I said, Sharon, what has happened? And she said, Jamie, uh, Zachary and Kurt have been killed. Zachary being your son? Zachary being my oldest. He was 13 years old. Yeah, and their dad. And, you know, how do you take that on the phone? You... I, I still don't even remember. I just remember hearing the words. Other than that, I'm pretty numb. Um, I got off the phone. Again, I called Dave, told him what was happening. I called my dad. Um, Those are, yeah, I think I called three people, not knowing really what to say. Still waiting for a police cruiser. Not there. Didn't come. Um, My, Dave must have called his parents, and so my in-laws were driving in the driveway. And um, at the time of her getting out of the car, she could hear screaming. Hmm. And um, You in the house? It was me in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that's what I was doing, but I just remember her walking around the corner with her arms wide open. And at this point, we're still waiting. Ended up being, just because of circumstances, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were the ones that took me to the hospital. Um, you know, again, you're just kind of floating on yeah. the air. You're numb. It doesn't seem real, I'm sure. You no, know, it, was, it was, everything was in mm-hmm. slow motion mm-hmm. at this point. So I get to the hospital. A lady greets us at the door and walks us to um, a double door, pushes the button. And again, everything is just in slow motion. So the doors open. There were... 40 to 50 people standing in the hallway, all of whom we knew, family, friends, school administration, 
I just looked at everybody thinking, what are you doing here? I have... It's like they know something you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But nothing is wrapping itself around. You're just like, wow, huh, all these people are here. Anyways, the doctor takes me and says, "Um, I really would like for you to sit down. And I said, no, I know what you're going to tell me. I already know my son has been killed. And he said, Mrs. Tid, I need you to sit down. I don't know if I did yet. Mm -hmm. I still just remember that wanting to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And um, he said, well, I need to inform you that your son, Spencer, who was eight at the time, my daughter, Emma, that was four, were aeromedded to Spectrum Hospital. Still again, okay, well, they're at the hospital, so everything's got to be okay, is what kind of goes through your head. Your son, Jordan, is still here. He was 10. He is in the other room. He is, we're waiting for an ambulance to come and get him. We will be transferring him also to Spectrum Hospital. Would you like to see him? I said, yeah, of course. I want to see my son. So as we're walking, the doctor's just kind of prepping me. He said, "Uh, what you're gonna see is not your son. And I still can remember thinking, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you mean? But not thinking about it. So we get to the door. He steps in front of me. And he said, now this is really important what I need to say. You need to walk in this room and you will have no emotion. There's nothing. Your son can't not know anything of what's taken place or basically just go in emotionless. Okay, yeah, sure, I can do this. Well, I walked around the corner, and I saw my son, and my knees fell out from underneath me. Um, Dave caught me, and I just cried and cried. I, and I'm thinking to myself, you're not supposed to be doing this. What are you doing? And Dave's wiping tears away. I'm trying to wipe tears away. And all of a sudden, Jordan turns over and he said, Mom, what happened? And I said, "Um, Jordan, you were in a car accident. He was like, what? I said, yeah, buddy, you were in a car accident. And so I got a little closer. And he was full of, he had multiple lacerations across his face. There was glass everywhere, blood, um, just the most horrific sight to see a child. And then he says, he turns to me and he said, Mom, where's Daddy? And I I think I look like a deer in headlights because the doctor looked and he said, it'll be okay, Jordan. Your dad's in another room. Mm. Uh, At this point, I didn't know what to do. So the doctor said, well, we're going to take you out. We're going to put you in cars. Okay. They had a whole team put together for us, for gotcha. all the family members, to take us to Spectrum. So they took you to Spectrum, and, and to kind of, like, just, as hard as it is, I, I want the audience to know that day you didn't just lose Zach. You got to Spectrum, and your daughter, Emma, four, she didn't make it as well. Yeah, by that night, we knew Emma wasn't going to make it. Um, they had done surgery. Her brain injury was so severe 
there was nothing more that they could do to repair the damage on her. And Spencer also was in a coma with a severe TBI. So I want to, I asked Jamie if it was okay. Um, those of you who have lost a child, uh, gone through loss like this, um, one of the things I think is very important is to honor the memory of those. This was 12 years ago this accident happened, uh, but I wanted to just honor the memory of Zach. So there's a picture of Zach coming up on the screen. He was 13. And then also there's a picture of Emma coming up on the screen. She was four. So, you know, Jamie that day lost those two children. And we're here today because Jamie has gone on. She has worked through the pain of this. And I wanted her to talk about that a little bit, Jamie. I'm going to use the very things that I talked about today, um, crying. Mm -hmm. How much did you cry? <laughs> I had nothing left. Um, by the end of that first day, I was... I just remember sitting there, it was just like an empty shell. Um, I had nothing left. Everybody would come up and say things and try to talk and I couldn't even, there were no words. I had nothing. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't cry. Yeah. You cool. cried it out. I cried it out. You cried a lot. I cried a lot. Do you still cry? <laughs> I do. Talk yeah. to me about that a little bit. What would that look like now? Like, do you think of these children? Absolutely. The two, Zach and Emma? Every day. They come to your mind? Every day. And some days, not tears? Nope, some days, not tears. But, you know, you know where they are. What does even this kind of thing, talking about it, what's that, what's that like for you? you? You guys need to know, Jamie doesn't travel the world and do this. She's just like you, a person out of the audience walking up on stage, and these lights are bright. So, you know, what's this like for you even talking about it? It's, it's very rewarding hmm. to be able to talk about it. Um, it hurts. brings the pain back to talk about it. But it also, it's, it's still healing. It still is part of healing, I think. As you look back to it, what were the things you went through that were the toughest, the saddest moments you faced? The saddest moments. Um, I think the third one would be having to plan my funeral, the kids' funeral. Um, sitting with the funeral director, which they're absolutely wonderful people but having to plan a celebration of life for two children that should not have gone, um, picking out songs that are supposed to be happy, and I had nothing in me to give to it, having to go and pick out not one casket, but two caskets that I could care less about. Um, the second one being at the cemetery, the uh, uh, lowering of the caskets. You know, it's not your kids, but having to watch that, two of them lowering at the same time, very, very difficult. And uh, first being having to say goodbye to my four-year-old daughter, we had... Uh, kept her alive to be able to donate her organs through gift of life. So her heart was beating, all those things, but her, but her brain was dead. Yep. 
And you had to make a decision to... Correct. We had to make a decision of what we wanted to do. And we chose to give life to other people, to continue her life in some ways. So that was the next day, actually, that we did this. Um, them coming and getting me and saying that we needed to now say goodbye to my daughter. How do you say goodbye to your four-year-old daughter that is still heart beating? Yeah, warm and seeing her fingers and toes in her pink nail polish and you have to say goodbye. Well, first of all, on behalf of all of us here, we are sorry that you went through that as a mom. Um, it's, it's a, it, to me, it's the worst possible thing you could face on this earth. And so our, our hearts hurt for you for that. Thank you. And yet, Jamie, I got to say, uh, one of the reasons we're here today is because you did make a choice. You had to live there. I did. In what would, I mean, did you have some depression? Did you go into a state of that? I did. Because of my other son and the severity of what his issues were, um, as soon as we were out of Mary Freebed, I was running, hit the ground running. We were at therapies every day. Um, I never really had a chance to fully yeah. grieve. You're taking care of the other two. I that was were taking care of the other two. Correct. One being just much more severe than what yeah. the other one was, but um, just being a mom and a wife, and that, that's all I was doing, putting one foot in front of the other. It was probably about a year and a half, between a year well, and a half to two years. A year and a half before you felt you even grieved. Yeah. Yep. Well, I, I say that because there's got to be someone sitting here today going through something that needs to hear that because I'm sure you were wanting to deal with it and go on, but it's, not, it's a process. Yeah. And you made a choice somewhere in that process to move on. I did. Talk to me a little bit about that. Somebody listening today um, needs to take that step, make that move. And I don't say this because I'm a preacher, but in your case, could you have done it without the Lord? No, there's no way I could have done it. How did he help you? What, did you have an anger stage at God? Oh, yeah, I was so angry. I was angry for a long time. How, how dare he take my children away? The gift of life that he gave to me, why would he take it? That just didn't make any sense. I couldn't. Does it make sense now? It does. It does? It does. What in the world? Tell me what you mean by that. <laughs> if I wouldn't have gone through what I've gone through, my faith wouldn't be where I was today. Would I take my kids back? Yeah, I would. In a second. But... The journey I've been down has grown me in such huge ways that I can't even imagine going back. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a couple hard questions here. Most of the people listening would be people of faith, but there's got to be somebody either online. This message will go. I know there will be other people that will watch this message maybe all around the world. Mm -hmm. um, somebody out there doesn't even believe in Jesus, and they actually what you just said almost made them angry at you. Might even be angry at you because mm -hmm. you said that because they're like, how dare you, blah, blah, blah. Talk to them a second. T tell them why, tell them why they need to consider having Jesus as their hope. 
you need to consider to have Jesus because I wouldn't be here today without it. I, you can't do it on your own. I tried because I was so angry. I, I couldn't pray. I couldn't, I couldn't talk to God. Um, I don't, being on my knees was the only thing. And as I continued to do that, it was, it was almost as if God continued to give me little glimmers. Like, see, I am still here. Are you noticing these things? And I would, and I'd kind of push it to the side at first, too. And Did say, you yeah. literally get on your knees? Did you literally pray on your knees? To Absolutely. And, and you weren't feeling it. I mean, you weren't wanting to do it. You just no. knew you had to do it. Talk, no. talk to me about it, because that's a decision. I had to. I had to be on my knees, because I had nothing else. That's what I had found that had gotten me through with my divorce. Learning afterwards that that was just the beginning. Mm. Mm. That was the beginning in the trenches. That it was preparing me for what was to come. So I knew I had done it before. And I knew that that's the only thing that I could turn back to was back on my knees. So when I read Psalm 13 there in King David, can you yeah. relate to his words? Yeah. Did you feel that as I was reading? Yeah. And at the end he said, God is good, period. Would you say that? God is good, period. That's a big statement. It is. You lost two children. I did. And God is good. Yes. You know, I, I, I honestly don't know what to say other than you're a testimony of how God can get somebody through it. Could you have thought, if you had gone back, 13 years ago and somebody told you this was going to happen, did you think you would have made it? Never. Never. You, you have a lot of joy, Jamie. I know you now. I know your family. I know your husband down there. Dave's shaking his head. You really do carry a joyful spirit. Thank you. And I think that's because God did this. He did. And, you know, you guys need to know, she came to me and said, Dan, if you ever want to talk about that topic, I think the Lord wants to use my life to help others. And... I'm trusting today that what Jamie has shared, as painful as it is, you can see that there is hope for you. You can see there's hope in your circumstance. Jamie, I want you to speak a final word to those people who are maybe going through something, have had a loss, lost a child, and they've not been able to turn the corner. Just speak a word into their life. I guess my only word is, is God is it. You can't do this on your own. There is no possible way to do this on your own. It's the only way. You know, you said you got on your knees even when you didn't feel like it. Yeah. And so today I would say to you, if you're at a spot, you need the Lord yeah. to help you through. Um, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song, a song of hope, and uh, our time is up. I realize that. I'm, I'm smart enough to know there's another service coming, but I also know Pastor Bernie would want to be sensitive to the, what the Lord is mm -hmm. speaking into your heart today. And so as we're singing this song, after I pray in just a moment, uh, Ken's going to come out and lead us in a song of, of giving glory to the Lord, even through our circumstances. But if you would like to come, and kneel around the altar today for a situation you're facing or going through, I'm going to open that up for you. So, uh, first of all, would you do me a favor? Would you thank Jamie for sharing her? Thank you.
Thank you.